This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks for using The Tome's Amazon and DM's Guild affiliate links and for being a patron at patreon.com slash Show. Welcome to The Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interviews show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And I'm Tracy Hurley, and in this episode, number 322, we're going to get things off on the right foot as we discuss how to get started in a new group and set everything up for success. So joining us in this discussion is an all-star team of veterans who have uh, joined or started new groups in their, at some point in their lives. So let's get to know everybody. First up is a newcomer to the show, but one of the inspirations to me to get into podcasting way back in the day, what, what was it, 13, 14 years ago we started this thing? Uh, so, uh, I'd like to introduce Judd Carlman from the, the now started up daydreaming about dragons podcast. Judd, welcome Hi. to the, sh- welcome to the show. And how many new gaming groups have you started or joined? You can, I, you can I estimate. Am, I am paralyzed by that question. <laughs> Thinking back on 30 years, it's got to be in the dozens. Like it just, it, it's gotta be close to triple digits. Um, so I'm going to say high dozens, very close to triple digits is what okay. it's got to be at this point in my life. Wow. So uh, how- I think because I, I moved around a lot, uh, so there have been like different times and different stages. And I think I've also not had much, I don't know what to call it, gaming monogamy. Uh, I've, I've definitely had like different groups where I play different games. Okay. Um, in, in, in lots of different places where I've lived. So that there's very often two or three things going on at once. Okay, right on. You, and, and I suppose the the number of groups rises fairly quickly if you're playing multiple games at the same around the the same time, right? Right, right. And then and then now that online streaming has happened, like now it's now it's ridiculous. Like right. Now, yeah. <laughs> All right. Then next up is another newcomer to the show. I'm going to attempt to pronounce the last name, uh, Jim D'Alessio. Did I say it right? Close enough, D'Alessio. D'Alessio, oh, okay. D'Alessio, yes, sir. So, so Jim D'Alessio was invited on because uh, I went to the 5th edition uh, D&D Facebook group and asked sort of about this topic, and he had some well-considered thoughts, and I thought, hey, let's let's invite Jim to come on. So, so Jim, how many groups have you play, uh, started or joined uh, in, in your gaming career that you can recall? You know, for for 30 years, I thought it would be a higher number, but I'm uh, counting back on that. And uh, I think, honestly, it's uh, you know, it's probably under 20. When I was in Connecticut, it was a a pretty steady group of friends, right? We started and stopped different groups, but it was mostly the same larger group. So we didn't have to deal with any of the social dynamics of, uh, of, a, of a new group and a new play mm-hmm. group. Uh, since I moved to Raleigh, it's probably been... Uh, about five or six that have uh, that have come and gone. Okay, interesting. Uh, lastly, but of course never leastly, is the Tome Show's senior editor Sam Dillon, uh, who has not only started and joined several groups just in the course of the years that he's been recording behind the DM screen with us, uh, but he's also recently started doing this exact thing publicly on the D and D Brief podcast, which is fantastic that everybody should be listening to. So, Sam, I expect your numbers to be impressive. How many groups have you? <laughs> would you say you have started or joined over the years? Well, since the tome is a D&D news reviews and interview <laughs> show, I was only thinking of D&D and Judd so kindly reminded me, I've played a lot of other games. 
Uh, so I did some quick tablecloth math math here, um, and just since 2005, I came up with 27. Okay. I'm not counting one shots. I'm counting games that had the groups that had to meet at least three times and nothing convention related. Okay. That's fair. Um, okay. If you go before that, you could probably double that number. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, honestly, all of your numbers are super impressive compared to, to mine in, in that way, right? So, uh, I think it's only fair that before we dig into the topic, Tracy and I share our answer to the question that we put you guys on the spot. Uh, in my For my part, um, I'm in the middle of joining what I think is my sixth group. Um, you know, I play, I had one group through elementary and middle school, a different group in high school, another group in college, one group in Omaha, one group here in Raleigh. And I've got another group I'm getting started with, uh, in Indiana where I'm moving to next week. So, um, now there's been a lot of evolution within those groups, right? So you have one group that starts as five. And by the time you get to the, the that group closing up shop, you've got five people that are almost you know, 90% different people than what you started with, but it's been a, a constant through line. So I'm going to call those all the same group. Tracy, what about you? Uh, for me? So I've only been playing for about 10 years. So mm -hmm. I've been in three groups, um, but I've actually been part of the formation of more than that because my brother played and I helped him mm. uh, find players and, when I got married, I um, helped my husband find, find a group, and actually we would host it at our house. So I helped with that part of part too. I was, you know, helped cook meals, made sure mm -hmm. everyone got everything that they needed. So I was part of those groups in that way, but just not as a player or DM. Before we move on, I think I think Judd made a good point earlier uh, because part of the reason I have so many groups as well is that you know, when you spend a, a long time in one place like you, Jeff, you've spent you know right. more than a decade where you currently are. Mm -hmm. So you, you're able to cultivate a group over a decade, um, whereas if you spend you know time in college in one place or two places, and then you go to grad school in two or three different places, you do postdoctoral work or you move for a job or all that like I spent a lot of time in school in different places and at the university there's a little more transience with groups because people are constantly you know there's more of a reforming there that happens that's different from if you're in one stable place for quite a long time mm -hmm. absolutely I think that and I think uh, people have different experiences and I don't know that like I don't know which set of numbers is better honestly like i don't know if being able to say that i've had a hundred different groups in my in my gaming career is necessarily a better number than i've had six um it's a different type of life experience and a different type of gaming right. experience and i think there's value in all of that yeah i don't think there's a value judgment attached to the number just like years of dming or gming <laughs> more more years doesn't mean better gm yeah. No. You could have been doing the same garbage for 30 years. Exactly. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and so, as you already know from the conversations that have been happening in this episode, we're going to be talking about the topic generally and with some specific um, experiences across the player perspective and the DM perspective. Uh, things that you can do to sit down with the game when you sit down with a gaming group for the first time to help ensure that it'll last for many great adventures to come or whatever your time period in that place happens to be. <laughs> uh, this episode is inspired by the fact that Jeff is moving in less than a week and he's joining a 
a new to him at least group right. uh, when he gets to uh, where you're moving to. And this topic has been on your mind a lot. It has, it has, yeah. So this, and this is the first time I've been in this situation specifically because um, I went online and posted in a million different places that I was looking for a group, and I got some responses from people. Uh, and one group responded with, "Oh, you're a DM looking for a group. We're a group, and our DM just moved away." I'm like, nice. "Well, there's serendipity. Like, I'm going to put all the other offers to the side and, and talk to this group because it seems like too good of a fit, right?" Um, and so, yeah. So I've been thinking a lot, like about what do you do when you're starting, when you're first meeting a new group and, and, and when you're setting things up and how do you set things up to, to go well, you know? Um, so I think we want to talk about it in those sort of three categories, sort of generally player-focused and DM-focused. Um, so let's talk generally first, if everybody's okay with that. What, what should everybody, regardless of role, sort of do to help make those first meetings ones that are going to lay the groundwork for future success. Who's got a thought? I do. Um, go ahead. Say, yeah, you go. I was going to say, and this may be kind of weird to be honest about what type of time commitment you can make. Mm. Okay. Explain. Um, so, I mean, I know I've seen the memes everywhere about how, uh, how difficult it can be, definitely, particularly as adults, to try to schedule your game uh, and find a time, a, a day, and a time period in that day that everyone is available on a consistent basis. And one of the reasons to talk about it up front is that maybe um, that can influence the type of campaign, in particular, that a DM and the group decides to sign on to. So if it turns out that you know that there's going to be a lot of um, shifting in schedules or last minute cancellations and things like that, that maybe like an episodic game is better than everyone's in the middle of a dungeon and three right. of your players are gone and you're like, where, where did they disappear to? Yeah. What, what door did they go through during that time and everything? That's a good point. Yeah. I think Judd, did you have something you were starting to say a second ago? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think that's a good, I think, setting expectations and, and really being honest with, with yourself and with everybody else about, uh, you know, how much you can give to the game and, and what your time schedule looks like, I think is a great idea. And, and I think, uh, uh, Tracy's idea is great that, that building the game off that is even better. Hmm. Uh, so, so that you, you choose it from there. The, the only other thing I was going to say is, is at those meetings, like bring a couple of games, pass them around the table, have people look through, um, talk about, what you like about gaming like talk i would i would want to know like what were the best games that you've played like what are some moments that stand out to you what are some sessions that stand out to you uh just we can figure out if we're on the if we're on the same page at all you know because mm -hmm. it might be that you should not be gaming together like there's a really perfectly good there's a perfectly reasonable response to be like you know what, what you guys like is very different than what i like um you know let's 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 go bowling uh, or let's, let's have a book club or let's do something else together. But I don't think we should be gaming. Um, so I think, you know, talking about what you like about gaming and, and just handing out some, the game books that you do like and everybody kind of looking around and, and, you know, uh, having that, having that discussion, I think is, is really important. Yeah. I, yeah. one of the things that I said when, when Jeff sent out a tweet and was asking about different things, one of the things I said was, the first time you meet a new perspective player or a new perspective group, it doesn't have to be the first session that you run. You can meet in a neutral location 
Yes. Or even at someone's house if you want. But but sometimes, you know, you, you don't especially, you know, if you're a, a part of a minority, you don't necessarily want to just show up at somebody's house because you don't know what you're walking into <laughs> or you don't want to invite people over because you don't know who you're inviting over. So it's completely fair to go to a different location, a restaurant or a cafe or someplace where it's quiet enough so that you can actually have a conversation. So maybe not a bar, right? Yeah, but, yeah. But, you know, a cafe, like, uh, and then you can do the things that Judd's talking about and that Tracy's talking about. Talk about what you like about gaming and what you expect from gaming. And, you know, you can talk about things like uh, where, your, where your lines and veils are or if you even use such a concept or, you know, do you just want to meet and sit down and, eat a bag of pretzels and slay some orcs? Or do you want to actually have a, a, a rollicking, you know, cinematic, amazing adventure, but not maybe D&D? You know, there, there's all sorts of different opportunities out there. But if you sit down and you think you're going to play one game and everybody else thinks they're going to play another, you're going to have a problem. So I have two follow-up questions for you, Sam. For, yeah. people, for people who may not have those concepts, first of all, explain Lines and Veils. Well, so lines and veils is an idea is the idea that everybody at the table should be comfortable, and there are some topics that a person might not want brought up in game. That would be a line. I do not want to cross this line. I do not want to participate in this type of activity in the game, even though I'm role playing a different character in a different situation. I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. um, or I'm okay with certain things, but I don't want it explicitly narrated to me and I don't want to you know ha have to watch people participate in it mm. so you can imply that that activity is going on without getting really gory into the details right. that would be a veil so the veil comes down everybody understands what's happening in that scene but you're not role playing it out or you're not right. explicitly describing something so if it if it happens fine but off camera if possible right and so, so you can have important or traumatic things occur without triggering your player's PTSD or without right. triggering someone's, you know, gag reflex, basically, you know, and this, this, uh, you know, a lot of times this is set up to be, you know, where it, it's about, um, it's often thought to be just about like abuse or something, but sometimes people just have concepts and ideas. They don't want to, they don't want, they right. just don't want to deal with in the game. It's a game. It's supposed to be fun. A common example that I've heard, um, particularly in regards to another tool called the X card, is mm -hmm. smoking because somebody might be trying to quit smoking or something mm -hmm. like that, and just the I the bringing it up within game could trigger them or not trigger necessarily, but make them want to go have a cigarette, which is right. what they're trying to fight. Right. right. And usually right. people are pretty open to like trying to help people overcome things like that. So it's a, sure. a good example that it doesn't always have to be. Um, the most traumatic thing I right. yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, it doesn't have to be child abuse and, uh, you know, sexual predators and, and things like that. It can right. be someone who has, you know, I, I know someone who doesn't like to hear about things that have to do with teeth, you know, sure. um, or people who I used to play with a guy who him and his wife had a house fire. Actually, I know several people who had that, but this particular player, he really did not like scenes where something was on fire, and mm -hmm. that was the impetus to take action because it literally made him remember really bad memories. Sure. Mm -hmm. Or or, yeah, or new new really parents who don't want to deal with uh, you know talking about children dying and that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. Right. Jim, were you saying something? 
Yeah, I was gonna say. So I run a lot of um, uh, a lot of horror games. So a lot of uh, Call of Cthulhu, Trail of Cthulhu. Um, you know, particularly for an organized play, some organized play around here. Um, and I think one of the important things is that you you want to scare people. You want to create a scary game. And this is sort of talking about lines and veils here, right? Is that but you don't want to actually touch on those those things that the player is really scared of and being cognizant of that and being the sort of person hmm. who's aware of that, right, makes you the sort of person people are going to want to game with. Mm-hmm. Now, right. this conversation came from the the discussion of sort of a session zero that, that sort of spawned from both Sam and Judd's comments about getting together outside of the gaming table and sort of talking through sort of, hey, why do you love gaming and, and uh, what have you, you know, just to sort of gauge compatibility. And here, here's my follow-up question to that. I think it's a great idea. I think that's the best way you can put together a group is find some people that you sort of mesh with and, and what have you. Um, but how do you do that without it feeling like a, a, a job interview, you know? <laughs> right. Isn't that part of the, where the recommendations that maybe throw out some games came from too? Because during mm. even even though it's not D and D or something like that, just seeing how people approach games could potentially help without it being a job interview because you're just having fun. Yeah, I mean, I suppose yeah, even do session zero at a game store and just play some board games or whatever and have a conversation. Um, right. Would go well. knowing your like knowing your gamer type is uh, I think very important for anyone who's ever read. Uh, robin's laws of good game mastering by Mm. robin laws um right he's got like the seven or eight gamer types that i think uh, knowing your type and knowing who you like to interact with and what you like out of a game is is a great way to start off on solid footing right on and uh, you know oh go ahead i was just gonna say one more thing about the compatibility part is um i know we've been talking mainly about topics and subjects in game but also potentially consider the overall environment like we had um, a a person join us for a while who was really a great person but thought because there was a large group of people getting together it was a great opportunity to have a huge dessert and a bunch of us were trying to uh cut down on eating a lot and so it it became unfortunately became a struggle thing a little bit uh going because we just had different views of what we were trying to do Hmm. um and it just it's important to think about those things too Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely no and i always really liked personally i've got to come to a point where i always really liked the idea of that session zero because i really as in a neutral location, like Sam mentioned, because I really like playing in my own house. Like I've got tons, I, I got bookshelves full of books, right? Um, and I want, I like having access to them, even going back to other previous editions when I'm at the game table sometimes. Um, so I like playing at my own house and I can draw all the maps ahead of time. I don't have to lug them around. All, you know, there's all kinds of benefits if I'm, if, especially if I'm running the game, but I also have two children and I don't want to invite strangers into my house with my, where my children live, you know, until I've at least, met them and, and know whether or not that's going to be a good idea so mm-hmm. right yeah. yep they have to be the right kind of weirdo to right. invite <laughs> yeah <them. laughs> yes. absolutely yeah i mentioned so, i mentioned i mentioned this very idea to my new group that i've been i've been talking to online uh in preparation for our, our game uh and and they're like oh yeah that's that's fine that's fine but it's okay because you know, we're just your normal kind of nerds. It's it's no big deal. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know. Depending yeah. on how somebody defines normal nerd, I think it still might be good for us to meet face to face. So can I go back to the job interview thing for yes, a minute? Yes, please. Um, 
I, I'm a person who tends to run games that turn into long, expansive campaigns. Mm -hmm. So for me, it kind of is like a job interview because RPGs and all the things around it, whether it's prepping for a game or reading about it or watching videos or talking to people or actually running a game or actually playing a game, all of that stuff, that's my main hobby. So when I'm, you know, I sort of, my life is in three pieces. I have my work, which has nothing to do with the hobby. And then I have my hobby stuff. And then I have my family. And uh, there's some inter inter interspersing there between family and RPG hobby. But, but really, you know, a good portion of my time is spent in this RPG hobby that I love so much. And it's really important for me to be surrounded by and have the ability to surround myself with people who I feel comfortable with and safe with and who feel I feel are like-minded enough that they understand uh, how to tell if I'm having fun or not having fun. And I try to do the same for them. And um, so it is kind of a job interview. I mean, I, I know that that has a sort of derogatory negative connotation, but honestly, if I'm meeting someone for the first time in a restaurant, I am interviewing them because if I get a bunch of red flags or I get a bad vibe or I come to understand that that person is that I, I wouldn't, if I was their coworker, I would be forced to be near them. I don't have to be forced to be near them though in my RPG hobby. Mm. So I'm going to choose that. And it is, it is though still a job interview, even though we're not doing a job. Right. I hear you. Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent there, Sam. I feel the, the exact same way. And we've had some mismatches when, when forming groups in the past. So I can totally identify with what you're saying. Yeah, so, so I don't know if we need to come up with a different term for it rather than job interview, but, um, you know, I think session zero suffices yeah, for and, me, for my conception of it. And I'm curious if, so, like, I'm thinking to my particular situation because, of course, that's what inspired me to do the episode, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's a degree to which, like, I... I I get why people don't want to put up too many walls because, A, you miss a op potential opportunity. Maybe things don't go well in that session zero, but they're really a great person and you get along with them. You don't want to count them out immediately necessarily. Uh, and, B, like it's hard to find a group. You know, uh, For a lot of people, there's a lot of struggles for, for finding people to play with and they just desperately want to play and they want to find people and, and try to make it work. Um, so I get... I get that too, but you don't want to be miserable doing it either. So I, right. I, I don't, I don't disagree with, with what's being said. Um, I, and, and I look at the situation that I'm in now, it's like, I haven't met any of these players that I'm going to be playing with, but I have been talking with them on a discord channel for a month and a half now. Like I've never met them, but I'm, I'm getting to know them decently well. Um, and, and I still plan on having a, a session zero in a new, in a neutral location, but just to sort of confirm, right? Because we've already we've already sort of mm -hmm. chatted with each other and we've gotten to know each other a little bit. And so I think in the modern age, you can kind of blur those lines a little bit uh, in a less formal way before the stakes are high, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. I, I met with a, a Twitter acquaintance recently who we, we found out we were both living in the same city. And so we, we met at a, at a, a waffle place and, and had waffles and talked. And... Uh, it's just such a weird time in gaming mm -hmm. where I literally get texts from a friend and he'll be like, hey, have you heard anything about this game? 
And I'm like, no, I, I haven't heard anything about that one. Well, why do you ask? And he's like, oh, I just wanted to make sure that by giving money to it, I'm not supporting a, a Nazi or a rapist. Sure. Yeah. So I'm just trying to like figure it out. And it, right. that wasn't like, that wasn't some kind of like dark joke. Like he was being dead serious. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a weird time to be meeting people uh, in this, especially if they're active online. Because uh, I feel like, I feel like I've got to feel them out and and really like, almost talk about some drama and be like, where were you in this? And and <laughs> it's kind of terrible because it's just like I, I need to know that you don't think that people I care about aren't human beings, and I need to know that you're not supporting people who I think are rabid. And I, yeah, there's just some like basic baseline stuff that has to go on and it, it's a really I feel like my answer right now is different than it would have been five years ago like mm -hmm. to these questions mm -hmm. um, it's just very different uh, after the past couple of years uh, it's, just, well, it's just a strange time in gaming let, let me tell you what happens when you don't do that right because um, it happened to me I you know I, I played with this group and I, I moved to a new town uh, and I played with this group and we played together for like a year and a half. Uh, and then, and, you know, uh, we had conversations. You know, I mean, I considered these people my friends. Uh, and then the political climate changed. Yeah. And some things started happening that I was, that were really affecting me a great deal. And yeah. I was really upset and, and still in some cases, I'm really upset about them. And these people who I had been friends with, for a year and a half, um, suddenly were like strangers to me because their ideas of the world and their viewpoint of the world was so vastly different mm. from mine. But the reason I didn't know that before is that we never had explicit conversations about some very important things before that point in time when we were kind of forced to. Yeah. Um, now the problem is how do you go to a session zero and start talking about things that are really, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let me like, throw some you know, current events at you. See how yeah, you respond. Right, <laughs> right. Like that's not, that's it's, this is hard stuff. I mean, oh, yeah. this is, you know, human relationships are hard and I don't walk down the street and ask everybody I meet, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Um, but you know, if I'm going to be spending four hours a week with these people or 10 hours every two weeks or whatever, it's important to have these conversations pretty soon after you start establishing a relationship. Mm -hmm. Maybe not even on the first day, but yeah. you gotta you gotta mention some things because you have to know. And the other thing that kind of makes this all difficult too, because I know we were kind of talking earlier about like, you know, you you want to, and even right now we're talking about potentially saying no to playing with some people, mm -hmm. and that in itself is a huge topic that's not talked a lot about gaming and the reason I bring it up is because you know when I when I, I I've been around D&D &D pretty much my whole life I just didn't play for some of the same reasons we're talking about in this episode um I was always around groups and stuff like that and I always wanted to really feel out and feel make sure that I was going to be comfortable because of the thing like you're talking about Sam where like sometimes you just get surprised uh with stuff and the thing is though and and we've talked on the show before about you know, some of the reactions you meet in the gaming community and stuff like that. And a lot of it really was driven by, and it's not just for me, it's for other people too. Like, 
people want, we talked about different gamer types, but some people think that there's one way you should be, play the game and they want everyone to play that same way because that's what the type of people that they need and want in order to play. And so they're afraid of not being able to find people. So this whole rejection yeah. thing becomes a really big, not only like an issue in itself, but an accelerator of other issues because uh, nobody talks about the, that fear of rejection and how to handle rejection and, and stuff like that, which makes it really difficult. Mm. Yep. I, I, yeah, game with, I, I game with some people who I hadn't game with before uh, this past weekend. And when we all sat down at the table, I had to say a couple things, like just really basic stuff, not even political stuff. Just like, hey, like this is the problem. I don't know how to, like that the game proposes. I don't know how to solve it. There's no right way. So just figure it out. Um, and I don't have an end scene in mind. Um, because I just don't, I've seen people get really squirmy and be like, oh my God, the GM is mad at us. <laughs> uh, and, and like, it, it really feels like, you know, dad's mad. Like he's, he's, he's not saying it, but he's really fuming. And I just, I kind of want to spare them that. So I was like, hey, I'm not, and if like an NPC gets mad, I like step right out of character, especially if it's a new group. I'm like, hey, I'm not mad. That was just an NPC. Right. Uh, like I, that's, and it's not an NPC like embodying my thoughts. That guy was just an asshole. So let's just, <laughs> we're cool, let's, even though that guy doesn't like you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like he was upset. I am not, uh, and right. I, I, yeah, I just I really feel like I need to to let people know that like, hey, you know, it, I find it delightful when you surprise me, uh, especially with all of these weird GMing memes that I see on Twitter, where I don't know, I just I looking at at the greater gamerverse and and how online folks talk about gaming i really feel like i've got to like set up people when they're playing with me so that i don't so that they don't get upset you know so they don't feel like they're upsetting me um, yeah tracy to your to your point one of my my favorite sayings when you know you know swapping you know gm advice with people is that everything isn't for everyone mm -hmm. right and that there are going to be games that you find that that you don't want to be a part of, and there'll be groups that you might find that don't want you to be a part of them, and that's just the the nature of the mm -hmm. hobby. And I think having a, a bit of a like a thicker skin around that would be would be very helpful, um, particularly if you're moving to a new area and trying to find any an established group. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that I mean, we started to sort of blur the lines into into uh, DM advice, right? And, and what you can do when you're the DM in a new group or starting out something off or whatever. Um, and and I think that's that's all you know. It, that's that's good advice. At the same time, it's it's worth noting that like people in a group are different too, right? So if you've got an established group or if you've got a group of people and you you're bringing them together and and people want different things that doesn't necessarily mean they're incompatible. It means that as a DM, I think there is an effort that can be made to sort of um, give everybody the opportunity to play the game that really sort of, you know, rings their bell. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I was trying to riff off of what, what Tracy was saying yeah. there. And I, I, no, I, I just think the, the, the different styles of play. Yeah. I, I just feel like we've got a, the, the, uh, can I jump in? I think what yeah. so too often when someone runs across a style that that doesn't match their particular favored way of playing, instead of just saying, "Hey, you know what? That's not what I enjoy in my game, but you do you, and you go have fun with that, and it's okay if I'm not doing that with you." Yeah, 
instead of that, that response, which is the response I try to sort of do when I run across something I don't enjoy. Look, I, I, it's not my job to crap all over what somebody else enjoys. It's also not my job to insert myself into that and play it just to not enjoy it so that I can crap on it some more. And I, I think that what happens is people start defending themselves and everyone gets all defensive of their own personal tastes. And then they have to say, well, you know, that thing you're doing is just really dumb. Because at at the end of the day, ultimately, tastes are tastes. And mm -hmm. just because I like something uh, doesn't mean that someone else has to. And it doesn't mean that someone else uh, has to agree with me that it's even good, right? I mean, look what happens with movies, right? Someone can watch a movie and go, oh, that movie was horrible. It was a waste of my 20 bucks. And somebody else could say, that's the greatest movie I've ever seen. And it used to be that we didn't have this great internet thing that let people argue back and forth all the time and be relatively anonymous. But now we have that thing. And so everybody sort of just jumps in and people assume that if they like something, everybody else needs to like it too, or it's not worthy and they have to defend it. And I think that's what happens. Yeah. And, and also it, it's also sometimes like, it, sometimes it's not even like I hated the movie and I love the movie. It's, I love this thing. I think this was the best thing about this movie. And then somebody else who had a different life experience is like, well, actually this really spoke to me. And I think it's one of the shining things about it because no other movie goes into it. And then they fight each other. And really, in the end of the day, they both love the movie. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, and, and I think the, 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 the nuance that I was trying to add here, though, is that even if you have people that are enjoying the movie for different reasons, that doesn't mean we can't all go and see the movie together, right? I, I've played many games. I, one my most recent group here in Raleigh, uh, for eight years, I had a, a hardcore you know, min-maxer. I had the, the old grognard who came to us straight from first edition. Uh, and then I had the people who, you know, play board games uh, every single night of the week with their friends and whatever, and they're really strategic, but they're also very experimental and willing to try all kinds of new things and whatever. And those are th very different play styles. Mm -hmm. But we were all able to sit down and sort of recognize, hey, we've all got some different styles. And, and I, as the person running the game, was going to try to vary the sort of things that we did in the campaign so that everybody had a moment to do what they really liked and that everybody else could sort of learn to still be having fun while other people were having their shining moment, you know? Mm. But now you're veering into DMing advice now because honestly, yeah. figuring that all out is what session zero and the first few sessions of a game with a new group is about. And then you spend the next 10 years or however long figuring <laughs> out how to make sure that you learn how to do that. And that, and as long as everybody in the group is okay with, you know, you know, Joe likes more combat and less role playing and Sally likes, you know, more combat and less role playing. So we want to get some combat in there for them. And then Jane over here likes more role playing and less combat. And Alex doesn't care. He just will play anything. Well, how do you satisfy everyone? Well, you vary, you vary the amounts and the spotlight and all that stuff that, but you can discuss that in session zero and then and then the DMing advice comes in with, okay, now the DM needs to try to make that happen. And the players need to understand that 
you're always just attempting it. That doesn't mean you're going to succeed. Right. And in right. my Sounds- it, in my experience, people tend to be very reasonable about that kind of stuff. Like my, I, I know when when I brought in for a one shot uh, fiasco, and we played fiasco with my D and D group, the grognard was not into it at all. <laughs> but he w- didn't <laughs> complain, right? He 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 bought in. He played along, you know, because that's not what we normally do. And 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 he he could you know he could do the give and take just because he's the old grognard doesn't mean he has to you know make a huff about it right uh because he enjoyed being with the group and hanging out with people and playing games and that was the, the sounds, bottom line and it sounds a lot like planning a family vacation yeah. <laughs> right that's a, that's a really yes. really really good analogy yeah yeah um but the the, the other thing is like like i think hopping off tracy's wonderful analogy uh, is like you don't have to go on every vacation right um yep. if, if you're playing if you're playing fiasco for three weeks like it's totally cool for the grognard to be like you know what i'll see you folks in three weeks yeah, sure. Uh, and and I think that's a good conversation to have. Uh, and and it's okay to <laughs> it's it's okay to not allow yourself to be uh, shoved into one category. I, I had a friend who had played Burning Wheel with me for years, and then he went into another group of friends of mine and ours and started playing D and D Fourth Edition uh, back when it first came out. And I could see him during the game angling towards other characters to like have a duel of wits where there is not uh-huh. and he was like i don't know what's going wrong and i was like well you got to stop playing burning wheel and start playing D." <laughs> yeah um yeah so like stop yep. stop angling there's there's no there's nothing in the game to to make those arguments meaningful so just stop and he was like oh oh and he just like as soon as i put it in like a, a you know because he was a big board gamer and a strategy gamer too he was like oh i get that yes i don't play this game for that, I play that game for that, and then it all clicked, and and he could he could be a good player, literally, like you know, and and it worked. So so I chuckle a little bit, Judd, as as you uh, as you give this anecdote, right? Because um, I t- I said at the beginning when I introduced you that that your podcast, uh, which was Sons of Cryos, was a big inspiration for me when I started this one, uh, and it after listening, you know. episode after episode after episode in my head i started referring to sons of cryos as the talk to your players podcast because a lot of because the a lot of the advice is variations of you know you should talk to your players and that's what you just did so much and that that's that's uh it's become a uh i mean i feel like people like adam coble have taken it like way past that and and into more delightful territory than we ever did but thank you for remembering yeah uh there was so much GM advice back in the day that was like, hey, my player is doing this behavior. What should I do? And it would be like, throw <laughs> works at him. And it yeah. was like, no. Talk, talk to them. To them yeah. Like an adult. <laughs> and don't address it in the fiction. And so it was like, I feel like 14 years ago, that was just like, it was literally something we had to say to people uh-huh. so that those conversations would happen. Uh but yeah, now you know session zero and and uh, you know figuring out your gaming preferences and and Robin Laws of game mastering and all that is just kind of uh, more more common uh, you know vocab. But well, and it's yeah, still it's, fantastic advice. And I'm not like I know it gets talked about a lot, but I don't know that it happens a lot. You know, right? So right, right. Yeah. Well, well, just think, looking at the D and D five E. Sorry, Sam. No, go ahead. I was just looking at the the D and D five E group on on Facebook, right? right. You see all the DM advice and there's all of that solve it in fiction stuff and the lone voices. 
just just talk to them like adults. And, right. right. Yeah. So it's still yeah. a problem. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think that that I, what I was going to say was something very similar. That you know, it sounds like such simple, basic advice, but honestly, oh, it's hard. You know, that, <laughs> it's it's hard. Yeah, and, and I'm not good what, at it. <laughs> no, I but I just mean just in real life, like in any in any realm. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is hard to just say, you know what, there's a problem here. I just need to talk to this person, mm -hmm. yeah. person to person, explain where I'm coming from. Ask them for their feedback on that. Where are they coming from? Help everybody understand why there's an issue with this, and then we move on. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I, I feel like that—that that is, you know, there's so many new players. Like, yes, that advice feels old now to us, maybe because we've now been either hearing it or saying it or trying to implement it for decades. But there's all kinds of new players all the time, and right. and what what game you learn how to RPG in often has an effect on how you feel about the games that you RPG with later. You know, as, as, as Judd said, you know, you, if you're playing burning wheel or mouse guard, my, my favorite iteration of the burning wheel, but anyway, uh, <laughs> if you're, <laughs> if, if you're playing something that has that type of ethos in the game, that's very different from, uh, from fiasco. It's very different from Call of Cthulhu. It's very different from D&D. &D. It's very different from Numenera. It's it's different not just in mechanics, but in the way that the game occurs. And a lot of people don't understand that. They just think whatever game they learned RPGs on, that's the game that, that all RPGs are. And it's just a different setting or it's just a different group of people. And sometimes just sitting that person down and saying, hey, this game doesn't run like that. This, that's not how this works. This is different. It's I, like a, it's a yeah. light bulb. It's a light bulb moment. I, I also wonder in the post-streaming world if we're going to have to give that advice all over again because <laughs> a lot of people are learning to play from watching professionals play on, right. on their computer. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you probably, I mean, I'd love to see it if they did, but there probably aren't as many interpersonal, weird, uncomfortable moments. Or if there that, are, they don't do it on camera. Or, right. or, yeah, it gets talked about off camera and gets dealt with there. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 you know, what happens, there aren't going to be as many moments as when, you know, the thief stabs the wizard's favorite ferret, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, familiar. And the, the player of the wizard is totally gutted. And it's a real problem. Uh, right. And that's a weird thing. And it happens. It happens at the gaming table. So, yeah, I don't know. You know you know what else is another thing that happens that is often talked about, but there's never really any resolution because it's a human response thing. And that is when your character dies mm. Yeah. and you say, Oh, what do you, oh, I accidentally killed my player, you know, GMs will come on. Oh, I accidentally killed this character, this character and the player is really upset. And I didn't think they'd be this upset and I don't know what to do, you know? And it's kind of like, well, talk to them, right? Find out why, Fi find out why. Yeah. And, then you might not be able to fix the problem, but you'll at least have perspective for next time. And you'll build that relationship and they'll probably come back and play with you because you bothered to talk to them. Right. Whereas right. if you, you know, and that's something that happens a lot. And there's often people, oh, what do I do about this player with bad behavior? What do I do about this player who had this response or this reaction? And I didn't know what to do. And now we haven't played for two weeks and now right. I don't know where to go. And, right. you know, the answer is talk to people. 
And one thing I will say about some of the streaming and things like that, there also can be examples for how to handle things well. And I mean, online, I'm Sarah Dark Magic, which means I started with Acquisitions Inc. Uh, and the fact that Scott's character, Benwin, was always Jim Dark Magic's target wasn't exactly the target, but was in the blast radius of all times. <laughs> and his reaction was often a very good one. Like, he ended up just saying, I'm your favorite target and stuff like that. And he really played with it rather than getting upset saying, why why are you hurting my character? This is awful. Yeah. <laughs> so there are good examples out there, too. Nice, yeah. nice. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't trying to say that all streaming is bad. I love streaming. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm yeah. streaming this Saturday, so I totally hear you. Yeah. Um, I just think it's really, I just feel like the, 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 um, I don't know. It's just going to be such an it's in such an interesting yeah. world where it, people it, are learning the game through that. It creates weird expectations. It. I had I had this new group that we're, we've been talking up and getting ready for for starting a session when I get up to Indiana, uh, and one of the the guys in the group uh, sent a message at one point. So you know, uh, no pressure, Jeff, but we expect you to be at least as good as Matt Mercer. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> I will show up and I will be as good as Matt Mercer if you're as good as his players. And he said, never mind, right. never mind. You know. <laughs> It does, it does make me think, too, that, like, I mean, for those of us who do like to stream and, and, and stuff like that, it might be an interesting thing to consider how we could model behavior in there that we mm. would love to see in the community. Well, that's part of why I started the D&D Brief podcast stream, because I want to be able to, if something happens, have those conversations. Right. Uh, then I went and did a thing where I asked for a lot of representation among my players, uh, in terms of, you know, the the members of my team, I, I want them to have a lot of diversity. And so I have this group of players that's really awesome. <laughs> and so there's not a huge amount of of difficulty right now. Uh, right. And so I, I started this thing thinking, oh, we're going to have all these conversations because things are going to come up that we need to talk about. And right, I mean, it's, there's only been three sessions, so they're not really deep into it yet. But now I'm trying to sort of rack my brain and figure out, okay, how do I press buttons to to sort of to bring something make, up to discuss, to bring to bring these conversations and and mimic how this can be handled in an adult way uh, around the game, not necessarily in in the narrative, as we said, that's not uh, often not the best way to do it, um, but. But it still has to be resolved in the narrative, and and then you have to sort of sit as players and and game master and say, okay, let's talk about this as just people who experienced a game, not as our characters and not as you know a game mechanic thing, but just as a human being thing where we're discussing this. Um, and I think that's that's part of why I wanted to do that is that I think some of those things need to be modeled that are that are not modeled yet. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we've talked uh, uh, we've sort of transitioned from sort of general discussion into DMing and uh, discussion, which is perfect because we're also 45 minutes in. <laughs> uh, uh, and so I want to just sort of give people an opportunity for any other thoughts since we didn't explicitly sort of move into DM, but sort of flowed into it. Um, any other sort of thoughts in terms of what a DM can do? Uh, starting off in a, in a group, or starting up in a new campaign, a, a new group, or joining a group of players that are already established like myself, right? Uh, what can I as a DM sort of do uh, to start that campaign off to, to set things off smoothly? Sort of what approach do you think is, is appropriate there? 
clearly what you need is a 250 page world bible (laughs) (laughs) well you laugh but but this is the exact sort of thing that's actually on my mind it's like uh sam and and uh mike shea and i were talking actually just the other day uh on behind the dm screen recording about just sort of creating a one page sort of bullet point um background or whatever for the campaign and I've been thinking through that. And usually, like in my campaigns, I would do, I would have something like that, just a, a short little thing to introduce the campaign. And then I would have like a handful of questions, a page or so of questions for the players to sort of answer about their character and sort of uh, uh, encourage them to, to find inspiration for fleshing their character out and how are they connected to the story and each other as a group and, and all that kind of stuff. And then part of me is like, yeah, but I've never done that like f- campaign one for a group before, am I going to like freak them out by giving them homework, you know, before we even meet each other? So you know? I have two, I have two thoughts about this. The first one is if you want to write a 270 page campaign guide, ha- well, have at it. yeah, have I'm not doing that. that. <laughs> uh, but don't punish your players when they don't read it. Right. Right. But and, I think, I think he, I think it's a good point to like, what are the players expectations? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's right. the weird thing about this hobby is that, their their past GM might have had a 270 page thing. He might have built every castle they walked into out of cardboard by hand. Like people do that. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry, I cut you right off. No, no, it's cool. I mean, I, that's kind of where I was going next. Was uh, part one of the pieces of advice that I have consistently given since I joined the Tome Show team here is set your players' expectations. Mm. Don't don't do it falsely with intent don't try to set them up to play a quote joke on them that it's going to be different right don't don't set it up as this is going to be the best fantasy high magic whatever blah 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 and then the next thing they know they're in a time warp and they go to 1930s noir you know uh, detective story um give them expectations and then fulfill those expectations at the beginning at least until you get to know those people as people, and then you can start exploring maybe some of the more wild or crazy things that you want to do. And if you don't want to wait, you just want to do the wild and crazy right at the beginning, tell them you're doing that. Set those expectations. And if the expectations are, I want you to read this 100-page document, then tell them, I want you to read this 100-page document. And some things I say, I will assume you know your character knows these things because I gave you this document. And if that player doesn't want to play in a game where that's the expectation, <laughs> you need to encourage them to tell you that. Yes, I am a, I am a player who does not want to meet that expectation. <laughs> I've got enough homework in my life. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. S- same yeah. here, right? I'm notorious for not wanting to do any D&D homework, but also expecting my players to do yeah. D&D homework. I'm uh, an example yep. of the best yeah. and the worst. Yeah, this, this so is exactly I, what we talked about on Behind the yeah. DM screen, right, Sam? Is that, you know, if you keep it to a page, like that's about as much expectation yeah. you can have for people as, as expect them to read a page. Yeah. So what I did with my last, with the D&D brief game, actually, because it's a whole new setting of my own creation, I gave the players a 30-page document, but that included new races and classes and different options and whatnot. They are not expected to read at all. I expected them to read the first two pages and look at the map. That's what I told them. Here's what you definitely should look at. Here's what you should, you know, it's okay to glance, read the first page. It's okay to glance at the next two, look at the map. Here's the list of deities. You're done. If you want to go further, you want to look at the different options, you want to read some more, have at it. You can do so. 
that's fine. If you don't do it, that's completely fine. But I know there's different play styles, so it's your opportunity to deal with it however you'd like. And that's what I did, and that's what I expect. And I did not punish anyone for not reading it, and I didn't make life hard for someone creating a character who hadn't realized that there was a certain, you know, option in there. You know, I, I just I gave everybody the same opportunity, and that was it. And but I set the expectations that way. I didn't tell them, oh, you better make sure you've read this because otherwise your characters are going to die in the first session. Mm. Like that's just not fair. You need to be fair with your players. They are people before they're their characters. Right, and their characters always will know more than the player knows, right? For That's an Eberron right. game that I ran where the players knew nothing about the setting, and I happen to love it, I'm very knowledgeable about the setting, is every time I'd introduce what is something that is definitive to that setting, it was your character knows this about this particular mm-hmm. feature, you know this. Right. And I think like that's very helpful with, when you're starting a new group is you sort of like relieve that, that expectation of knowing Mm-hmm. Like, you know, knowing what, 15, 20, 3, 3.5 edition source books, right. Um, right. Like, they don't have to know that stuff. And they, right, they can, from session one, know to trust you that you're going to give them yeah. the information their characters need. Right. It's sort of like the way to think of it is this. Uh, if you grew up in America, you know how to use a fork. Okay. So if your PCs grew up in America, they know what a fork is and how to use it. And the general different types of forks, right? They can have more than three tines. They can have less than four tines. They can be made of metal or plastic, right? Like, I know this is a really stupid example, but it's the absolute truth. You wouldn't make a character uh, roll an intelligence check to figure out what this fork is because they grew up here. They know what a fork is. Even if the person playing you as the, as you know, your your player who's running you as a PC may not know what a fork is. That's right. You as a character absolutely know it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so my other piece of advice for a new group is be a fan of the players and don't punish them for anything, mm-hmm. right? Show them how you'd like them to behave and support the behavior you would like. And if you find that somebody just doesn't match, you need to be talking to them person to person, not punishing their character, not making things really hard for them, you know, anything like that. And that's different from challenging the PCs, right? Like, being a DM is about challenging the PCs. I'm not talking about never giving them a challenge. What I'm saying is don't bring personal things and expectations in that affect the in-narrative game when it's really an outside world past the fourth wall issue. Because that's not fair. So we've gone a good 50, almost 55 minutes in at this point. Uh, and we haven't talked about what you can do as a player. Um, is it okay if we transition into that? Or does anybody have any burning sort of DM advice that you want to give before we move on? Let's do it. All right. So so th- this last sort of topic, I guess, is... So imagine... There's a lot of people who are new players going into a group for the first time. And in fact, I would argue that's probably way more common than any of the other scenarios we've discussed, right? Right. Yeah. That, that there's an already established group and you're the new player coming in and whatever. How do you, or even if it's a completely new group, um, there's a lot of times that you, that you experience being a new player in a group. How do you, so, what do you do? How do you introduce yourself? How do you play in those early days that sort of does a good job of introducing you that sort of set th- sets things up for success? Who's got some thoughts? I think the the rules of the of the playground apply, right? Like we sort of we forget a lot about making friends 
uh, as we as we get older, right? Like, hi, I'm Jim. How are you? Would you like to play with me? Um, right, and being a good participant at that table, right? I think I said on the Facebook group, being a good gaming citizen, and you know, what does that mean, right? You share the spotlight, you accept the premise, you help pull other people into the scene, right? You have a character who's enthusiastic, those sorts of, you know, basic human traits, like how can I make friends? How can I be likable, right? Apply at the at the gaming table and, you know, at work, right? The same thing, you show up for a new job. You don't want to be surly on your first day. 10 years in, you can be surly because you've earned <laughs> that social credit. Right, <laughs> right, right. Other thoughts? Yeah, I think I think uh, reading the table and seeing you know what what kind of style of game they're playing. I remember very vividly a friend of mine when when I think it was 3.0 3.5 era of D and D, and he went and played with a group that did not do character story, did not do any funny voices, really didn't even talk that much in character. They just kind of uh, built character where they were into character builds and 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 counting those squares and, and getting optimizing the and all map. that yeah yeah and he played with them for a while and he was like it's not the style of play i really like but i can do it once a week it's fine or a couple times a month or however often he was playing and he just altered his style you know he just he didn't like you know try to be a, a dramaticist you know and 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 get them all to love his his shakespearean elf uh, so yeah, I think it's a lot of, I think the, the playground analogy is really, really apt, uh, you know, see how, see what their rules of tag are, you know, what, what, how are they playing? Well, I find that a lot of times, even in those situations, like I, I'll oftentimes go into a group and be more like timid or I'm going to, I'm going to match the style of play that's happening with the, you know, the group on the playground, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but once we get to know each other a little bit, every now and then I'm going to let this other part of my gaming style shine. You know, I'm going to do the silly voice once and see, see how people react. Cause now mm. they know, now they know me. Right. right and right. so they want me to keep playing, even if they don't know what's going on, see how they react. And then I can do more and more of that. And I, I've been in groups that were one way and over time they got to know me and I, and I, sort of let more of my gaming style out and it probably evolved with time as well but then i think the the gaming style of the whole group sort of evolved a little bit of course uh, because that's how gaming groups work right whatever your gaming style is now is not always your gaming style uh and so things change and evolve over time and if you're part of the the group it's changing and evolving with you right yeah i feel like um, I, I do like the playground analogy. I mm -hmm. think it's pretty apt in, in most groups. Um, but I also feel like there needs to be a sense of, uh, as a player, you, you need to go in there with the mindset of, I'm here to have fun. Mm -hmm. And um, then realize everybody else is there to have fun too. And you know what, if you if you play in a session or in a game and you really don't find that you had fun or you don't didn't you don't find very many redeeming qualities about, you know, the group or the game or whatever, it's okay to analyze that and, and be a little wary and and you know, maybe just decide you're not gonna stay with that group. If you feel like you don't have any choice, you really need to figure out where your where your bar is for what you can tolerate. Mm. Um, and, and if you're going to stay in a group that doesn't have the same 
kind of style that you appreciate or that you really enjoy, uh, you know, that's okay. If you're, if you're having a little bit of fun, it's okay. Not every RPG session is going to be the most fun you've ever had, bar none, hands down. That's impossible for that to be the case, right? It's not, not every session is going to be that way. But there has to be some sort of baseline level of fun that you're having yeah. uh, to stay in that group. And you need to be honest with yourself about that. Uh, yeah. And that doesn't, I, you know, I'm not talking about you go there and somebody harasses you. That's, that, I'm, I'm just talking about normal, general, like some things happen that you like and some things happen that you don't like in terms of how games work. Um, of course, you shouldn't stay somewhere where someone's harassing you. Of course, of course, I'm right. not saying that. But just the sort of generic types of differences in how people enjoy games. It's okay to not like a game and decide you don't want to be there anymore. It's also okay to not be sure when you first go in whether you're going to like it or not but try to have fun. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, and, that's one of the things I was going to say is, is I would give it a few sessions and then I would, mm -hmm. the next step I would, is I would go to some Judd Carlman advice there and, <laughs> and, and I would yeah. talk to the players and say, Hey, right. this thing that we're doing isn't, isn't really doing it for me. Um, and then see what happens over the next couple of sessions. And then if it's still not happening for you, then, then it's time to probably move on. Right. Right. And, and in, in that situation, I might not even have the conversation. Like it just might not be the right fit. You know, I might just say, hey, guys, folks, I'm going to I'm going to head out. Um, I, I, I might do it without trying to alter anything uh, if, if that's how folks are going. And, and it all depends. You know, it, it's hard to say without without knowing you know, what the actual situation is. But I feel like walking into another bigger group as a player um, where things are established and things are going that way. You know, if if folks are having fun playing a certain way and it's just not my way, I might say, hey, you know, God bless. I'm I'm going to do something else. I, I, I hope we can hang out some time doing something else. Well, that's yeah. easy for Mr. I've had hundreds of gaming groups to say. <laughs> I have totally a hard true. time finding gaming groups. So. I hear you. I'm yeah. definitely, yeah. I've definitely been blessed. So I, I totally hear that. <laughs> yes. So um, and two things that I was thinking about is one, um, what I've done with sometimes when I'm looking to maybe join another group is. I just hang out during the session and see how the play goes. I know not everyone uh, likes that, but that happens to work well for me a lot of the times. Um, and then the other thing I just point out, and I think it's it, it, similar to what you're saying about the uh, established group. One thing is to consider, particularly in the U.S. Um, and with that playground uh, analogy, the whole idea of clicks and the fact, like, if you do have an established group that, particularly, let's say, they need more players. Um, they might want to be considerate of the fact that they probably have formed well socially cohesively in a way that may turn off outsiders or maybe just doesn't open enough, up enough room for somebody new to come in and join that group. And that opens up some interesting advice, I think, for, for that's more general advice. Both players and DMs can do this is if you have somebody new joining, um, make sure that somebody if not multiple people are stepping up to be that really welcoming person to, to be that ambassador, right? I always try to be that person as, as the DM, but I can only, you know, do so much because I'm on the other side of the table and I've got a thousand things I'm doing all at once. So one of the things that I do, if I have an established group already and I have a prospective player that's going to come in, uh, I actually bring that player. Well, I meet them and maybe the other players meet them possibly uh, before they come in. But then when they come in, I have them play like a guest, like a guest NPC, mm -hmm. right? Or, or a guest player that's only going to be part of that group for that session. 
uh, just to sort of see what their play style is. There's no real, um, there's no stress on them for making a character that's going to mesh with the group. And then they got to worry about if they're, if they're, you know, picking something that somebody else already can do well or something like that. You give them an NPC or you give them a, a, a pre-generated character and you pull them in, you give them a little backstory, you tell them why they're with the group, you you be generous with them about how much information you're giving so that maybe they know something more than what the other players PCs know um, and let them play with the group in a sort of less uh, threatening manner, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and see, just see how, see how they work at the table and see how they interact with everyone. And that, that can give it a view into, they can see our play style and then, we can sort of let them kind of hang out and see what's happening without them having to worry about being the focus of everything. Right. And and going back to like some of the 4E advice that some people like and some people don't, the whole idea of vignettes, mm -hmm. um, it might be good, particularly if you do have a group has a, a really intertwined uh, character development storyline going, it can be kind of dangerous to bring in my opinion, potentially, uh, somebody new in, right? And it turns out you're actually setting this up for this one character who's had, like, this whole arc, and it's going to, like, <laughs> it culminate here, and then suddenly yeah. the guy, <laughs> new person, has no idea and does something. Like, you just don't want to set people up for that type of failure. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Try, try to make it easy for them to integrate <laughs> for that one. Right. Don't, don't make them the entire focus of a, of a huge, you know, one year long campaign arc and suddenly all eyes are on them for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Right. Particularly if they assume like it's a murder hobo group and it's like actually the long lost brother finally shows up. <laughs> right on. All right, so we've gone for a good amount of time for an episode, uh, but I want to give every, anybody and everybody a chance. Is there any other sort of uh, last thoughts, anything that you had in your, in your any you know, pre-thinking you had on the topic or whatever that you wanted to discuss that we haven't talked about yet? Who's got last thoughts for us? So my, my cheater advice for players um, is to, if you're a player and you're having a hard time finding a game, learn to run games. Uh, right. Everywhere you go, there's a lake of players, but a pond of DMs and GMs. So you will have a much wider pool to to pull from. Right on. Other thoughts? Last thoughts? Well, my last thoughts are just um, more along the lines of just be generous with yourself and generous with other people. And if you find yourself in a situation that you feel absolutely unsafe it's okay to just get up and leave. Mm -hmm. Your your safety is paramount, and I that that includes physical safety, mental safety, emotional safety. Your safety is paramount. It's okay to just leave, and you don't owe anyone an explanation. Um, if you're in an, an established group or you're joining an established group, and they don't behave in a way that you feel like you could tolerate, you're not going to change them. It's okay to just go. Yeah. There there are other groups out there. You may be able to find them. It depends on the area, of course, and that's a difficulty that is has been the bane of role-playing since its inception, right? Um, but, you know, there are a lot of digital tools and, and virtual things that can happen now that were not available previously, and, you know, ultimately it comes down to just talking to people. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. If you are feeling unsafe, get up and go. Uh, I've, I've, sat and finished GMing after ridiculously unsafe things have happened. And I look back and I, after 10 years of doing 
podcasting advice. And I, I look back at that person and I'm like, what were you doing? Like, why didn't the game stop? I, I so the, that's the best advice of the whole show. If, if you know, too long, didn't read. If you feel unsafe, get up and go. It's not, it's not rude. It's not, you know, anyone who there who is worth a damn will understand when they call you the next day and say, hey, what was up? You, you skedaddled. Uh, if, if, yeah, if, you, if there's nothing else to be said, then that should be said. Thank you for saying it. Yeah. I, I've done the same just to, you know, yeah. I've, I've DM'd it at the end of a session, you know, thinking what the hell, what, or, or, you know, weeks later thinking, man, I can't believe that I sat through that and perpetuated it and kept it going. And, yeah. you know, and, but I did, and that's yep. just, it's yep. just the truth of the matter. So, but knowing, you know, no, knowing that there are limits to people and that everybody's human and that you can actually talk to people and everybody needs to feel safe. That's the best DM advice I can give you is try to go in and create an environment with the players that you pick to be in your group, create an environment where they all feel safe. Mm. Very good. I think that's probably a good sort of last note to, to hit, right? Um, so I'm going to go ahead and call that the end of the episode. Cool. Um, we'd like to say thank you to our guests. Uh, Judd, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Judd underscore of underscore Cryos, K-R-Y-O-S. And if you uh, put in the search terms, uh, daydreaming about dragons, uh, you'll find a lot of people who are actually daydreaming about dragons, which is wonderful. <laughs> and you'll also probably find my podcast. Awesome. Which I'm enjoying. It's very, like... It almost comes off stream of consciousness. I think there was one episode where you talked about how you were wandering around your living room recording, right? Yes, yes. It, it's it's a little bit less structured than it's it's ten twenty minutes, and uh, it's definitely a little bit less scripted than what I've done before. So yeah, awesome, sweet. And Jim, where can people find you? I am really only on Facebook, Jim D'Alessio. Um, we can certainly be friends if you like gaming memes <laughs> and talking about movies. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, nobody that listens to this podcast likes those things. Right, not at, all, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and no. clearly they can find you in the Facebook group. Exactly. Yes. No Marvel Cinematic Universe, though. Uh, None? Oh. We can't be friends. Never mind. <laughs> I want to know how it is that you're in Raleigh and I'm in Raleigh and I've been here for 11 years and we've never run into each other until now. I, I know. I was going to save that for after the... Yeah, I mean, there were years that I was looking to try to find more players for my group. It would have been yeah. great to have you. <laughs> yeah, I got here uh, about four years ago. Ah. <laughs> well, now we know where to find Jim in real life. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I think he mentioned it earlier, too. But <laughs> uh, and Sam, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at DM Samuel, or you can find me at RPGMusings.com, which is my website. Or if you want to listen to D&D Brief, you can search the Don't Split the Podcast Network for that show. Awesome. And we'd also like to say thanks to all of you for supporting the show by shopping from our affiliate links when you use Amazon or DMs Guild, or being a patron of the show at Patreon.com slash The Tome Show. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email thetomeshow at gmail.com. You can find Tracy. She is at Sarah Dark Magic. That's Sarah with an H. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Squatch, S-Q-U-A-C-H. And the show is at The Tome Show. 
And that's episode 322, where we built a firm foundation, invited some friends over, and rolled some dice in this episode of... I'm a wall.